Welcome to the Conceive Baby Podcast. My name's Tasha Jennings, fertility naturopath and nutritionist. In each episode, I share with you my best fertility tips and introduce you to world-leading fertility experts to help you improve your fertility well-being to create your healthy pregnancy. Welcome to today's episode of the Conceive Baby Podcast. I'm fertility naturopath and nutritionist Tasha Jennings. And today we're discussing a topic that we are hearing more and more about in regards to our general health. And specifically, we're talking today about our fertility. And that's the microbiome and probiotics. Now, there is a ton of research on the impact of our microbiome on our chances of conception, on the progression of a healthy pregnancy, and on the long-term health of our future baby. But I also see a lot of misinformation. So today we are really going to bust the myths and give you the facts. You know, what is our microbiome? Isn't that just something gut-related? How and why does it impact our fertility? How can we tell if our microbiome isn't healthy? Where do probiotics fit in? Which ones are actually going to be of benefit? And which ones may actually do more harm than good? We'll be discussing all this and more. But firstly, I wanted to remind you, if you haven't already downloaded the free fertility checklist I have for you, where I provide you with simple swaps, tips and recipes to help boost your fertility, be sure to get your free copy at tashajennings.com.au forward slash checklist. The link will be in the show notes as well. Now, my guest today is a microbiome master. Emma Park is an accredited functional nutritionist based on the Mornington Peninsula in Victoria. Through her role in private practice, community health education, and as a clinical educator for Pure Medic Health, Kiara Probiotics, Emma is an industry leader in the field of gut health and the microbiome. Her passion for education sees her routinely present to groups regarding nutrition, gut health, and the microbiome, and specifically its role in fertility, pregnancy, lactation, and pediatrics. Welcome, Emma. Hi, Tasha. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to have you. And I know microbiome master is probably not your official title, but (laughs) I absolutely think you well deserve it because... You are really uh, know your research and know your stuff, which is what I love chatting to you about today. So what inspired you to, I guess, focus on the microbiome? Um, I think I was a bit of an organic sort of niche, really. Like when I started practicing, I just, you know, nutrition and working in IBS and food intolerances, it was just such a big part of it. And that was back Mm. in 2012. And then, so I was already working with gut health and microbiome. And then Kiara approached me to do the clinical education. So I really, you know, delved into the research around probiotics and then, you know, really specialized in the field of maternity care. And um, yeah, just, and and one of the big things was going to all the conferences with Kiara as well. So I got to really mm. hear all the latest um, science and research on the microbiome field as it 
you know, progressed. And back then in 2015, we'd go to these obstetric conferences and the microbiome was a bit of a woo-woo term still, or as were probiotics. Um, whereas now only, you know, like seven years later, it's it's a part of every scientific conference that we go to. There's a discussion around the microbiome and probiotics, so much research, so mm. much new research. It's amazing. So it's such a dynamic field and a really, you know, a frontier of medicine and science that's so so exciting. And that's why I think I nerd out so much on, on the research and following it so closely because it's just improving clinical outcomes dramatically. No, I know. We both share a love of PubMed and the, the latest yeah. research and it yeah. is such an evolving field and there are so many studies coming through. But let's, I guess, start with the basics. What is a microbiome? We hear it like talked about all the time, but what are we actually talking about? So the microbiome term actually talks about all of the bugs and also their genetic material. So um, it's the microflora is the actual bugs. The microbiome is the term that encompasses the genetic material and also the environment in which they live. So Mm. usually discussed in context of the gut because that's where the greatest concentration is and that's where a lot of the, you know, initial research was done. But as we've learned more, we've seen that every body site's got its own microbiome. Yeah. And at the microbiome, like the environment, the bugs, the genetic material have a huge influence over the health and function of that body site. And that's yeah. what we're talking about when we're looking at imbalances in the microbiome. It can have a, you know, a negative impact on the health and function. Healthy microbiome really supports health and function of that body site. And obviously we're talking about fertility today and people may think, okay, well, microbiome, yeah, that, that's my gut, isn't it? What, what influence is it having on our fertility? So we don't only have a microbiome in our gut, in our gut we also have a microbiome in the reproductive organs and we yeah. can talk more about that. But the, the gut microbiome has um, influence over everything from hormones to immune system to metabolic you know regulation so it's influencing the system as a whole and so the health of the system as a whole has a huge influence over you know fertility and conception outcomes Um, but then if we start to look at that reproductive microbiome even more so and we can have health or or you know ill health or, or imbalance in those microbiomes independent of each other so you could have like a healthy gut microbiome but a unhealthy reproductive microbiome but generally if one's out most of them are out like that's Mm. what we tend to see clinically like and it can start either in the reproductive organs or in the gut but they're very close to each other you know like if you think about reproductive organs they're right next to the gut right so and there's a lot of translocation and you know we are a holistic being you know like we're not a set of of different systems so yeah, so we do have a microbiome in our reproductive system. I think that's important to realise it's not just in the gut and mm. they are all very related. And obviously we work with a lot of specialists. We look at the immune system, you know, natural killer cells, implantation, that's going to be affected by the microbiome and how healthy that is and how balanced the immune system is. And you know, now even doing tests for the microbiome, which is great to see that there is that acceptance from the medical um, profession as well. Yeah, so. You know, what factors contribute? Obviously, we can have a dysbiotic microbiome. What factors contribute to that dysbiosis that we're talking about? 
Um, there's a few things. Um, diet is a really big one. So diet mm-hmm. is the single biggest intervention of impact that we have over our microbiome because it's the things that we eat that feed the bugs. Um, stress is huge. Medications are huge, like antibiotics we know, like the yeah. Uh, indiscriminate in the way that they kill off the microbes. They kill the pathogens, but they kill all the good guys. So that's been a very big part of the um of the impacts that we have on our our, you know, as a community, our our microbiome collectively. Um, yeah, so diet stress, alcohol is another one, environmental toxins, like when we look at our our food production and our environmental toxins, a lot of the things that are put onto foods like our sprays and our chlorine in water are designed to kill you know, bugs and the remnants of those things have big impacts on our guts as well. Yeah. And I think unfortunately in today's modern life, a lot of people could put their hand up for, you know, at least one, if not all of those things. So really something we need to look at from a lifestyle perspective. But obviously if we're thinking, oh, hang on a minute, um, I yeah, do put my hand up for a number of those things, but I feel okay. How, how do we actually tell if we have this dysbiotic microbiome? Yeah. Some of the obvious signs is obviously, you know, like uh, gut issues. So, you mm. know, like classic sort of IBS type presentation or constipation, diarrhea, bloating, or even upper um, gastric stuff like reflux and, you know, burping and then the lower sort of more um, bowel associated wind and those kind of things. But um, some of it is asymptomatic. Like you can have these imbalances without actually having obvious symptoms. And we're looking, when we're looking at the uh, reproductive microbiome so things like histories of UTIs um, bacterial vaginosis thrush any of those things and even if it's not like I said presenting in that particular body site it can still you know it can still be present like we do see you know like now there's routine um, scan uh, routine microculture of um, the the reproductive microbiome or the vagina microbiome the upper yeah the cervical microbiome Mm. um and and quite often i see patients that have got a you know a bug present like e coli or something like that that is it they classify as an asymptomatic asymptomatic um urinary tract infection so Mm. yeah and and a lot of the time the treatment for that is is antibiotics or you know like I've had um, patients that have come back with, I've got this, you know, E. coli present and I've been told to take antibiotics my whole pregnancy, you know, those kind of things. So, and they didn't even know they had it. So obvious signs are those sort of, you know, like, um, you know, the ones we talked about and gut ones, but then you can also not know, which is a little bit scary. This is why this is so great now that we're routinely screening for these things. And that is, that is a routine you can get from your GP. Um, if you haven't heard of that, um, a high vaginal swab or a cervical swab, you can test for E. coli, mycoplasma, or urea plasma, some of these bugs that can um, be dormant. And I have seen these crop up and the, the specialist or GP has said, look, that's normal. Mm. And that's the difficult part. These are normal. I guess they are often in there and they yeah. cannot cause a problem. But I don't know what you've been infertility patients. I treat these bugs I want everything healthy and you know it's like yeah there's presence and then there's the overgrowth so that's that's a biont term we talk about where they're a normal part of the of the microbiome but when they're overgrown or 
and we see this when we've got a lack of the good bugs, we see these potential pathogens can overgrow and that's when they cause problems like inflammation and epithelial damage and those are the kind of things that can really impact those, you know, conception and, and even, in, you know, implantation in, in IVF treatments and those kind of things. Exactly. So if we can just fuel that good bacteria. So, you know, on the flip side, what can we do to fuel yeah. that, that healthy bacteria? What are the sort of things that we want to be looking at? Yeah. So obviously, you know, what we talked about diet and lifestyle. So healthy, whole plant-based diet, like, so the, the prebiotics are the things in our, um, in our diet that feed the good bugs. And so that plant found in plant foods. So having a really good diverse plant food diet, and that's the key. So when we're looking at our, our gut microbiome, which really is the major reservoir of, of our microbiome. And that's the mm. one that's really having influence on that systemic impact, you know, that, that holistic health of the human. Um, it's it's really our diet that has the biggest impact. And with a diverse microbiome in the gut is a sign of a healthy microbiome. So when we get a diverse microbiome by having a diverse diet really. And then avoiding those things that could potentially be killing off the good bugs like alcohol and, um, you know, stress and environmental toxins and, and, you know, um, high processed foods, like, you know, high sugar foods and processed carbohydrates, because they really do feed those bad bugs. And that's these plant, whole plant foods and that rich diversity in the fibers that feed the good bugs. Yeah, so it's really down to basics. Diet affects mm. everything, and I'm a big advocate of that. It, it is the fuel yeah. that is fueling the DNA development, our microbiome is fueling everything. So we uh-huh. really need to provide the good fuel. You know, I often yep. say you, you wouldn't put bad petrol in a tank and, and expect it, yeah. you know, your car to run on four cylinders. But in where we do it with our diet, we tend yeah. to tip stuff in and then yeah. wonder why we're not feeling great. And so if you are suffering IBF symptoms, you know, gut issues and have not correlated with them with your fertility yet, if you are struggling to conceive, this it can be play a role. So I mean I go yeah way back to their mother's pregnancy in in my consultations and really figure these things out and to get the support of someone like yourself or myself before the conception period can really set you up for not only a healthy conception, but as we said, a healthy pregnancy going forward. So we know diet is obviously great to support this healthy microbiome. We want the good prebiotics to feed those good bugs and to get that good diversity. What about supplements? We see probiotics and look, they're on the shelves everywhere these days. As you said, probably yeah. seven years ago, it was a bit mm. rich, smaller, but they're everywhere. What what role do probiotics play? So, so there's supplemental probiotics and then there's probiotics that you find in food, like fermented foods and those kind mm. of things, fermented drinks. And so that they're definitely really helpful that, you know, the food-based probiotics as part of a healthy balanced diet. So not just yeah. those, you know, fibers in our, in our plant foods, but also having some of those fermented foods, but as a targeted therapy, supplemental probiotics can be really, really good, but they're not all the same. This yeah. is the thing. And they definitely, in within marketing and you know um for consumers even for health professionals it's hard to navigate because there's so much false advertising the tga guidelines aren't very clear about um um labeling as well so Mm. they've got better over the years but it really is about the strain so there's genus species strain of a probiotic and Mm. they didn't even used to have to put the strain on the packet so you Mm. didn't really know what you were getting so having a good 
you know, like having a good quality probiotic, having the strain identified so you know what you're getting, and then having clinical research on that actual strain so you know what it's going to do when you put it in the body. And I think so my experience um, clinically with probiotics is when I first learnt about them, we were still in that sort of mindset that multi-strain products with big doses were the best and we were, you know, bombing the gut, mm. reseeding the gut with all of these great bugs. But the reality is they don't work like that. Um, they have beneficial transient effects as they're passing through and they're more like a gardener. They're tending to the environment and, how, you know, like they're stimulating potentially the growth or function of the Indigenous flora. So really... It's it's making sure we're using the right ones and that uh, have you know for the application or outcome that you want. Exactly, and we obviously that diversity we want to cultivate in the gut, but in the vaginal microbiome we want obviously that lactobacilli um, cultivation. Mm-hmm. So it is looking at the right strain, and I I love the research that that showed in the IVF cycles, the transfer cycles, that if they found lactobacilli on the tip of the catheter when they put the um, transfer back in the embryo in, they had better outcomes. Mm-hmm. So it is we are really seeing that this good bacteria or having a good as you said, we have a, a variety of bugs, but we want a dominant supply of these really healthy uh, bacteria. Mm. So what? how do they support a healthy conception? If we have people listening that would really like to obviously support their microbiome, we've talked about their diet, we've talked about the prebiotics. In regards to supplementation, what, would sh- what should we be looking at? Well, so like you mentioned there, really interestingly that the reproductive um, microbiome is low diversity. So it's the only mm. body site that we look at that's actually the health of the microbiome is signified by low diversity and it's lactobacilli dominant. So the, I mean, the research, and you know this too, Tasha, is, is limited because we have most of the research around the vagina microbiome because it's accessible and it's easy yeah. to to test it, whereas more like the uterine microbiome and the the um, you know the fallopian tubes and the ovaries, we don't have much. And most of what we have is from people that have got uh, you know um, health conditions, you know, like mm. because they're, they're sampling in surgery and that kind of thing. So we really know most about the vagina microbiome. We're learning more about the cervical microbiome and then the uterine microbiome. But what we know is that they're all lactobacilli dominant. Mm. And it's actually the same in the seminal microbiome too. So there's some new research coming through about that, you know, that, and this is it, we've never thought about this stuff before. We never looked at it. We didn't realise. So they, they're both lactobacilli dominant. So that's the, they're the probiotics that we want to be using. And again, it's like we're looking at strains that have got clinical research um, for their ability to survive the gastrointestinal tract and then to actually get to the places where we need them to go. So we need them to be able to translocate out of the gut when you're taking them orally and then move into the reproductive organs. And not all lactobacilli do that. So it really is those specific strains that have shown those mechanisms in clinical research that we want to be using. And one of the other things that I think is really important is quality, quality yeah. of manufacture and excipients and, um, you know, those those kind of things because we also, especially in this time, you know, we're very sensitive to added toxins and, you know, we really want to reduce any of those things that are coming in and they can be something that you can see, you know, through poorer quality supplements, um, even if they are lactobacilli. One thing I just was thinking of then is that I, what I've quite find quite fascinating 
that I learned about recently, you're probably all over this as well, Tasha, but the um, compatibility between the seminal microbiome and the cervical microbiome and how that if they're not compatible, then that's going to impact that, you know, conception and fertility. And I find that so fascinating. Mm. And we don't think about that necessarily that, you know, we want dads to be taking probiotics as well and to be looking at their health because it has such big impacts it's not just all about you know mum's reproduction you know like the the um receptiveness it's also about that that compatibility so absolutely and a natural conception i've seen patients who yeah keep treating infections or keep getting and then but they're not treating the partner and obviously Mm. you know they interact they hopefully interact that's why we were how how we're wanting to conceive and so we really need to get that that healthy microbiome in both partners i say this Mm -hmm. a lot it takes Mm -hmm. two sides so if your side is really good and really healthy but we're contributing the other side is the microbiome is disrupted and there is a seminal microbiome if this does matter for him as well mm-hmm. it really makes a difference so yeah definitely treating both partners and i love the quality of the supplementation is definitely really important um obviously we're both pretty passionate about that that's yeah. why i created my my zycea natal yeah. nutrients prenatal because i was mm-hmm. passionate about getting the nutrients from the tablet into your bloodstream so they can yeah. be effective we don't just want them in the tablet to look good and to yeah. be on a label we want them to be effective so can yeah. we talk about some of those strains that we sure. should be looking for yeah so good quality lactobacilli you know like the the ones that have been that have been you know looked at specifically for um you know ivf treatments and those kind of things like you probably know more about the specific strains there mm. i know a lot about the you know the strain that's in kiara it's a breast milk strain um yeah. one of the things that's unique about that strain is its ability to translocate around the body and i think yeah. that's that's a really important thing some of the vaginal strains that um we've seen that are good for you know the vagina microbiome there's a lactobacillus rhamnosus gr1 lactobacillus ruteri rc14 combination that that dual combination that's shown very good effects for gbs prevention you know so later in pregnancy but just its ability to actually influence the vagina microbiome and improve it and suppress Mm. pathogens and just again it's looking after that whole environment so it's not just about putting the good bugs there what those good bugs then do is look after the structure and the integrity of the lining and that immune modulation at the mucous membrane all of those things so they have these um, widespread beneficial effects that all contribute to successful you know conception implantation and then maintenance of pregnancy so um, those two strains specifically have had a lot of research in the last sort of you know decade or so there's a a new strain available now in australia that's a vagina strain the crispatus yep um so you would know about that one so that's quite new so Mm. so those other two strains aren't necessarily one of the four so there's actually four strains of, of lactobacilli that um really would be dominating healthy microbiome um in the vagina that's what we know most about um so those two strains aren't actually those ones but we know that they've got clinical evidence to influence that and now we've got this um crispartis available as a supplemental probiotic which is very new um in australia so now one of the things that i've just learned about that is that even though it's a good 
I don't know if you know about this actually, but we haven't discussed this yet, but that mm. if Crispartis is over a certain percentage domination in the vagina microbiome, that that can have impacts on um, fertility. So oh, that's a newie. Right. So yeah. I just saw this recently and I need to yeah. learn more about this and let's both of us do this. But it came yeah. to, um, you know, Moira Bradfield, who does the... Um, yes, I did a podcast episode with her a while yeah. back. So you jumped so, on that too about the vagina microbiome. Yeah, yeah, so she has a great Facebook group that's mm. called Intimate Ecology. And so she's researching, she's doing a PhD in probiotics for bacterial vaginosis. But yeah. he posted something and I haven't had a chance to look it up yet, but that if there's too much crispartis, that that can impact as well. But it was a very high amount like it was over 70 percent or something okay so yeah yeah so um but one of the other things i don't know if that you've uh crossed this either that the new nutropath test have you been using that the vagina microbiome i have seen it i haven't used the new panel no yeah so i've have a couple of times um Mm. it's it's all quite new and that said that you know the um accuracy and the clinical relevance of the results but it actually rather than just looking at which you get through your gp you know the urea plasma the e coli and you know like some of the pathogens they're looking for this panel actually looks at the pathogens plus it looks at the um the different types of lactobacilli and the the ratios you've got in there as well yeah yeah so for anyone listening this is a test you can request through naturopaths or some um, integrative gps um through nutropath we test so as we said we test the the pathogenic microbiomes is what you'll get through your gp but we don't see the good ones how much of the good bacteria do we have in there so these tests can help to identify the good bacteria said they're brand new we're still sort of navigating um, Mm. the usefulness but they do seem to be a really good tool to help get that better understanding of what's Mm. going on which can be of benefit in these really complex um cases of fertility yeah so i've used it in 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 my my patients that are having trouble conceiving they're still in Mm. that trying to conceive naturally stage and particularly if they've got a history of that bacterial vaginosis or recurring thrush or one of those and what i've seen is absolutely clinically relevant so it matches Mm. their clinical picture which is great so for me in this is what I'm looking at to try and understand that this is an accurate picture and and yeah it's been very helpful in in being able to tell that you know like in in the ones I've seen that their lactobacillus levels are really low and it makes a difference. Natural conception, obviously, the study I was referring to about the IVF transfers, that, well, it's easier to study in an IVF yeah. transfer. Um, yeah. But this would go for natural conception as well as just supporting yeah. that conception. So obviously, looking at that study, you know, in IVF, the lactobacilli had better outcomes. Are probiotics safe? I know, look, I work with a lot of specialists who are very happy for me to write up, you know, patient plans and have them on supplements. But look, there are clinics who just say stop taking everything when you're doing Mm. IVF treatment. Are they safe? So yes, I yeah. but again, depending on so what I what I say now is what we should be using small dose specific strains, not the, the side effects I see clinically and also some of the research that's come through is the multi-strain products with massive doses and there's where the risks are if there's yeah. any, if yeah. there's any real risks but yeah. having low dose 
um, quality strains that have all of these beneficial mechanisms of action. Again, like I talked about what they do for that lining, but also systemically reducing inflammation, you know, reducing pathogen load, helping with that, the, the mucous membranes, you know, helping with secretory IgA and short-chain fatty acids and all of these really important beneficial molecules that are in our body, you know, even like like for the Chiara strain, for example, there's a whole long list of the proven mechanisms of action when we look at the clinical research. So if we're using low dose quality strains with you know no ex- or you know minimal excipients and really low allergenic, um, we we've yeah absolutely safe, totally beneficial. Mm. I put all of my my um, fertility clients and pregnant clients on those type of strains, um, the clinically proven ones for you know vagina microbiome. You know, it's a game changer for people. I see a lot. I work with a lot of people a bit later in pregnancy as well, like getting their vagina microbiomes ready for an, you know, a physiological birth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, and I I tend to get quite a few um late, you know, third trimester. Oh my god, I've got thrush and I can't get rid of it. You know, like or Mm. even early in pregnancy. Because pregnancy can, you know, like in pregnancy, our vagina microbiome stabilizes. And yeah. so if there's any sort of problems or if you haven't got those good bugs around or the reservoirs or where, you know, wherever they're coming from, then it stabilizes in an, in a dysbiotic state. And mm. then this can be, you know, difficult to treat, um, you know, persistent infections. So I get a lot of that. So I work a lot with these sort of, you know, those strains that we talked about. Yeah, and I love your work in breastfeeding and and so the microbiome is beneficial all the way through. And I know that there are tests that even IVF specialists are doing now, Emma and Alice, there's a micro, uterine microbiome test, which is great that they're becoming more aware of it. And I know prescribing now probiotics, which is great, yeah. but it is important to look for the strain. Chiara are a great strain of probiotic. I love them myself, um, use them a lot. Um, but there are companies that are still doing, which was, look, this is an evolving um, yeah. research. You know, we yeah. are are learning more and more so it was thought a while ago which there's still supplements out there mm. that these multi-strains were best because we have that diverse microbiome that we need lots of strains and we need high yeah. powers of them we don't we need specific strains that are the mm. right strain for you so getting yeah. the right support from a practitioner is generally the best way to go to make sure that yeah. you are getting um the right strain for yourself yeah Definitely yeah. get that advice of someone that knows yeah. and, and quality supplements as well, which are usually practitioner ones. There's a few over-the-counter yeah. ones that I will recommend if people can't access the other ones, but I, I would always go first for a practitioner one for those quality reasons. Yeah, just so that we know that we're getting what we're and getting. And we know and what we're getting, that we know that actually yeah. what they say is in the packet because there was some research done a little while ago. They looked at 11 different over-the-counter ones and they didn't even have those strains in there that they said on the packet. Or that there wasn't, you know, the accurate, um, yeah, ingredients at all. So I think because we're still, it is such an evolving field. We're still learning more and more about probiotics. So even as you said, that strain and having those things listed is really important. Um, So we've talked about it through an IVF cycle. Um, They are safe and, you know, in our opinion, often recommended. And I do work Mm -hmm. with a lot of specialists who are now using them, particularly if you've had antibiotics prior. And I know a lot of, I do work with um, some specialists who will do a course of antibiotics prior. That can be beneficial to get rid of that, you know, any of those um, bad Mm -hmm. bugs that they pick up but we really want to recolonize that good bacteria for chances of conception but also for the health of the pregnancy so talking about the health of the pregnancy are these probiotics safe to be still using throughout pregnancy yeah 
Yeah, definitely. Again, yeah. it's just we're using the quality ones, we're using small but effective doses and and all of the things you might be taking a probiotic for through pregnancy is, you know, like general health and, you know, all those things that they do about reducing inflammation and pathogen load and those kind of things, but also that having a healthy microbiome in the reproductive system and in the gut contributes to, um, you know, um, mitigating the risks of gestational diabetes, you know, um, preterm birth, early yeah. early membrane rupture, preeclampsia. So, you know, there's some really good research around that if we are using the right strains and doses. So absolutely beneficial to keep taking them through pregnancy and then into the breastfeeding um, stage as well because we give our microbiome to our baby. So mm. we want to make sure it's this is a really crucial phase, this first 1,000 days, which is the conception or the day before conception to you know um signify how important it is before conception all the way through to two years old you know this is this foundation stage and it has huge impacts on those you know origins of disease and the outcomes for the baby later in life like all of the diseases of having impacts or you know being regulated and modified the risk outcomes from microbiome Absolutely. We're passing on to our future child. And that's what I always say with my patients. My job isn't to get you pregnant. Well, it is, but it's it's, yeah. it's more than that. It, that's why I say that's that's not my sole job. Mm. My, my job is to get you, you know, get, get good preconception care, get you really healthy pregnancy and health of the baby. So <laughs> as I said, both sides, we need to look at, if we're going back and recapping both sides, we want to look at male and female microbiome because mm-hmm. they're both super important to creating that healthy pregnancy. Even I should note on that um, miscarriage, you know, often it is thought, okay, she gets pregnant, but you know, it, it's obviously can't carry the pregnancy. That can be the sperm health as well, contributing to that health of that embryo. So really important that you are looking at both in regards to microbiome and particularly, obviously, the female, we want to look at that mm. you know, all across the reproductive microbiome, yeah. the gut microbiome. Yeah. So, oral microbiome. You know, oh, yes, the oral right. microbiome is to pregnancy outcomes because it, yes. it's very much related with that, you know, cardiovascular system, infl- inflammatory load and, you know, blood pressure and circulation and all of those things as well. So that's a whole other area we haven't talked about, but Again, signs of dysbiosis in the mouth would be, you know, bleeding gums, gingivitis, periodontitis, those kind of things as well. Yeah, even simple things like I often ask about bad breath. You know, yeah. so it seems really simple, but um, that can be an, um, an indicator. So look yeah. at your dental health. I often recommend dental checkup, but yeah. then look at that oral microbiome, even how we're eating and not just mm. what we're eating, how we're eating. Yeah. So looking at all of the microbiome is, is it's such an, a fascinating field and we mm. could um, nerd out on this for, know, for quite a while, I think. <laughs> we could. <laughs> so I guess to summarise, what would you like to leave people with today? I mean, we're, most people will be listening are wanting to get pregnant. What should we be doing? Where will we start? Definitely looking at, at um, diet and lifestyle medicine. Like you can... Yeah. You know, you can you can take a probiotic and do all that, but if you're not doing those core things, then you know, like you're really up against it. You know, probiotics yeah. are amazing, but they're not that amazing that they can. You know, you can't up out supplement a really crappy diet and lifestyle habits. You know, like yeah. it's, it's so important. Um, so you know, we're starting there, and then that's really that our biggest um influence we have in that long term stage. But then probiotics are amazing for this acute care kind of you know 
optimizing or treating infections and those kind of things. And then just, you know, really then we optimize the, the, that microbiome in everybody. So all the way through for that gives us our best outcomes. And then, you know, breastfeeding is so important when we're looking at the actual, sorry, my puppy's jumping up on my thing. <laughs> <laughs> He's, oh gorgeous he's distracting me i'll show you <laughs> hey puppy um, sorry but um he, you know like the the breastfeeding is the thing that has the biggest influence over the development of the infant microbiome once you know after after birth so again that you know all of these things then contribute to you know like your chances of having good breastfeeding outcomes as well so the earlier we can start the you know across the board that holistic care of you know of the of mum dad you know and all of our microbiomes is going to improve all of those outcomes and all of the things for babies you know and and you know that training phase in that first 1000 days is so important yeah, so I hope that's a good takeaway for everyone today to know that, I mean, I always talk about the 90 days um, prior to conception, the first 1,000 yes. yes. days, as you said, for bubs. Yes. But, you know, your first 1,000 days starts 90 days before you conceive. So if you are thinking about falling pregnant, you're struggling to fall pregnant, this is something you want to be looking at now. Have a look at, your, you know, you might not think your IBS or your heartburn is related to fertility issues, but it is related to your immune system, which can be related to implantation it's related to inflammation it's related to absorption of nutrients so there's so much the microbiome does support and support your chances of that healthy hormones as well healthy baby hormones Hormones, exactly yes Yes, influenced by that so thank you so much for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to talk to us today it's always wonderful and I love having this chat about these um, fascinating new fields we'll probably have you back on because it's just evolving and evolving it is it is it's amazing it's exciting Exciting. And like I said, it's I just think it's such an exciting thing to be able to have a tool like this that doesn't have side effects and has all of these benefits, you know, like that are really long lasting. So yeah, I love this field. I think it's amazing. Yeah. So thanks for joining us. I'll be leaving all the information in the show notes. If you haven't downloaded your free fertility checklist, that's at tashajennings.com.au forward slash checklist. And also we'll have all the information that Emma has discussed today and links to get more information. Thanks for listening and I'll speak to you next time. Thanks, Tasha. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Conceive Baby podcast. To help you move forward on your journey to pregnancy, I've created your free fertility checklist for you. This checklist provides simple swaps you can make that can have a significant impact on your chances of conceiving and carrying your healthy baby. So be sure to head to conceivebaby.com.au forward slash checklist to download your free fertility checklist today.